Welcome in, everybody. It's the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's the first post-game show of the year. My name is Louis DiBiase, joining you here on what is a Friday morning edition of the show. The Eagles fall to the Tennessee Titans in the preseason opener, 27-10. to And uh, we got a lot of takeaways into this. What we're going to get into today, as these post-games normally go throughout the season, for those of you that were loyal listeners throughout all of last year, you kind of know. We'll get through some of the winners of the game, some of the losers, as well, and then of course we'll get into it further on Saturday, and then we start up again. What next week is going to be Jaguars week as the Eagles take on Nick Foles. We'll see if he actually plays though, considering he did not play today against the Baltimore Ravens. But um, while it was 27 to 10 and the Eagles did lose, and Carson Wentz didn't play, and Deshaun Jackson didn't play, and Jason Peter basically the entire offensive line didn't play, most of the defensive line outside of Malik Jackson. It was basically the second unit for the most part, but I still enjoyed seeing the Eagles come back on the field. Uh, it, It was great to see Nate Sudfeld play the way he did in the first half. And then, of course, really the big takeaway of this game, the lead story coming out of this game against Tennessee, is that Nate Sudfeld has a broken wrist. And uh, he got hit late, at right at the end of the first half, and he fell awkwardly on the back of his left arm. He had an air cast on. He got carted off the field. And uh, Doug Peterson said in the press conference after that he does, in fact, have a broken wrist. He's going to have surgery tomorrow. It is not season-ending, however, which is a really good sign. And it's a good, it's, it's promising because they really, really need Nate Sudfeld. If they're going to do what Peterson said they're going to do today, after the game, saying that they're going to stay in-house with the quarterback position. Of course, he joked that you know he could come out of retirement, but then talked about Cody Kessler and Clayton Thorson. And we'll get into those two, and we'll get into what they could do at the quarterback position if they do decide to look outside. Because that's, you know, as much as Doug Peterson will have say in that, that's also a call from Howie Roseman, who has clearly prioritized bringing in quarterback talent for the Philadelphia Eagles. Even when they had Sam Bradford and Chase Daniel, they drafted Carson Wentz, and they traded Sam Bradford away, but they reinvested in the position by bringing in Nick Foles the following year and keeping Nick Foles, not trading him after the Super Bowl, to make sure they had a backup that could take you that far, even with Carson Wentz coming back to be the starter. And you also look at them bringing in Nate Sudfeld. They're always looking to find quarterback talent, even drafting Clayton Thorson in the fifth round. So I'm not going to say that they're not going to go out and try to find another backup quarterback for sure, just because Doug Peterson said that they're going to go with Cody Kessler right now. Um, But, you know, Sudfeld, it's not season-ending. But at the same time, a broken wrist, you would imagine, what, four or five months that he's probably out and I would probably say, and I don't know, maybe that's a little bit too extreme. I'm not a doctor by any means here. The medical side is not my expertise. But hypothetically, if he misses, you know, eight weeks of the season, that's still that's still a huge chunk where you never know what could happen with Carson Wentz. You never know what could happen for any any quarterback. People say, oh, now they definitely need to add somebody because Carson Wentz is injury prone. And, and I don't agree that Wentz is injury prone when you look at the specific injuries. And you guys know I've been over that before. But even though he, I don't think, is really should be considered injury-prone quite yet, you never know, and we've seen the value of what a backup quarterback can do when you have a team as talented as the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you have a guy like Cody Kessler or Clayton Thorson, God forbid, holding you back, that is 
that's a huge loss. If if Carson Wentz goes down, the season could be lost before you know it. If this thing with Sudfeld, maybe again, it's not season ending, but what if it goes ten weeks? I mean, that for me is a move that I'd be a lot more comfortable if the Eagles did decide to look outside of the team and bring in another quarterback too, because Cody Kessler and Clayton Thorson today were terrible. Jimmy Kemsky tweeted out a stat. They both combined for a 14.6 quarterback rating. 14.6. Clayton Thorson was terrible again today. He has been just one of the low stories of training camp so far. It's kind of frustrating, to be honest, considering the Eagles placed a fifth-round draft pick on this guy. And uh, meanwhile, we get to see Easton Stick out of North Dakota State go right in front of the Eagles, and he runs a 31-yard touchdown in today for the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Rather, uh, it, it is it's it's a tough situation right now. The depth behind Carson Wentz. I would not expect Wentz almost to play barely any games now in the preseason. They got to make sure they get into this season with Wentz at full health because while regardless if Wentz goes down, it's going to lose that Super Bowl contention, not having Nate Sudfeld behind him right now is uh, putting this team at serious risk if Wentz does re-injure his back, let's say, or he suffers another injury. And Sudfeld, it's so frustrating because it was right at the end of the first half and he was having a day. He went 10 for 18. 177 yards and a touchdown in the first half and that touchdown was a beautiful 75 yard bomb down the field to Mark and Michelle and Sudfeld continued to be impressive down the field you heard me talk about it on the podcast yesterday how Sudfeld thrived with deep plays down the field last year in the preseason he has a huge arm again 75 yards he had time in the pocket today, steps up, puts beautiful touch and accuracy on it, perfect amount of distance, and Mark and Michelle beats Adoree Jackson down the field for a touchdown. Sudfeld was poised. You know, he hit Goddard and Arthago Whiteside on some very impressive plays. You know, there was the one on the run where he evaded a couple defenders, rolls to his right and finds Goddard across the middle of the field, and even the one play of uh, the first pass of the game where Arthago Whiteside didn't grab it down, he nearly laid out for a one-handed reception that to me was a great ball by Nate Sudfeld he was really good and you everybody was thinking like wow he took another step this year he continues to grow the Eagles continue to groom this guy and it's making Washington seem very idiotic because the development project of Nate Sudfeld has worked and then he suffers that injury it's uh it's really really frustrating because I think he was poised to have you know I don't think he was going to play this year hopefully that that should be the the goal, but I think he was someone that the Eagles would have a lot of confidence in as that quarterback too. They gave him every opportunity to win that job, and he already did. Just with that first half, he put enough confidence in me that, okay, in a spot start, if he's got to go out there and win with all the weapons with the first team, that's the thing. He was doing all of this with second team and third team players. Put Deshaun Jackson out there and Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey in that offensive line, it's a different story for sure. He could be even better. So it is frustrating. The good thing is, though, it's not season ending. And with Wentz's injuries the past two years, they have been at the end of the se- at the end of the season. So uh, we'll see how long. Of course, we might never find out because the Eagles are very secretive when it comes to medical stuff. So we might never really find out when Sudfeld's going to come back to be exact until later on in the season. But look, even if it's seven weeks, ten weeks. 
they need to, for me to bring somebody else in. I know Cody Kessler has played a good amount of reps in the NFL over the past couple years, and he was a third-round pick in his own right. He went 2-2 two and two last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you, you watch him today and you watch Thorson, and the Eagles, for me, can't take any risks of having this team, having this window closed if Carson Wentz is not available because you wasted a spot on Cody Kessler, Clayton Thorson, and you did not go out there and add other guys. And if I had to rank, okay, here is the five quarterbacks available on the open market that I would consider bringing in over Cody Kessler and over Clayton Thorson, and I rank them one through five. Number five, Mark Sanchez Maybe bringing him out of retirement could be an option just for the first half of the season. He played in Philadelphia before. He thrived in the RPO kind of system that Chip Kelly had in 2014. He just retired. He's going to do some TV stuff, I think, for college football. But maybe you bring back Mark Sanchez just to have another veteran body there. Number four, Sam Bradford. It would be really hard for me to swallow having Sam Bradford come back to Philadelphia, more so just because I don't want to relive the nightmare that was 2015, thinking that Bradford was the long-term quarterback with the Eagles. But at the same time, he's a better backup quarterback to me than Cody Kessler or Clayton Thorson. Number three, Josh Johnson played a lot of games down the stretch last year for Washington, and you know he's very inconsistent as a passer, but he's got really good mobility. He can do stuff outside of the pocket. He has experience. We also got to continue this Josh Johnson NFL tour and make sure he finds a way to play for all 32 NFL teams. So I think Josh Johnson for the first couple months of the year might be an option as well. Number two, bring Josh McCown out of retirement. I think McCown right now in Doug Peterson's system could be an upgrade. I I think Josh McCown could be an option. And, uh, you know, even after that, he can be that kind of QB slash coach that and maybe he sees that as an opening. I don't know what McCown wants to do, but maybe he's into the coaching kind of thing. And with Doug Peterson, a quarterback turned coach, and the Eagles had Frank Reich who did the same thing. Maybe he'll be okay with because that's the thing too. You got to you got to find guys that are okay with when Sudfeld comes back, moving down to that third quarterback spot, or even no longer being with the roster. And I could see McCown with a winning team. You know, he's an older quarterback. He's been in the league since the '90s. I could see a guy like that trying to you know stick around and be a leader, a veteran leader, a mentor to the younger quarterbacks as the third string quarterback and try to get a ring. I think that's a possibility. But number one, and I know I don't know if they will consider it, but Colin Kaepernick is sitting out there still as the clearly best option on the open market. And it's been a few years now. I don't know. I feel like it's died down enough where even for me, some people say, oh, it's the distraction, right? The distraction is going to hold back the Eagles. It could cause turmoil in the locker room. The Eagles are equipped to handle that more than anybody else. I also think it's a myth that that really does affect teams. You look at Michael Vick in 2009. There was significant backlash about the Eagles signing Michael Vick, and he wasn't even going to be the starter, right? The Eagles that year went 11-5, and and they made the playoffs. So when you have the, the culture and you have the core intact like they did in 2009, like they do right now, the Eagles could take on, they could absorb whatever blowback that comes with bringing Kaepernick in. And to me, having Kaepernick as a backup quarterback, someone that has played in a Super Bowl before, someone I still think, especially in Doug Peterson's offense, with his mobility, I think he could run this offense really well if Carson Wentz did get hurt. I know it's been a few years, who knows where he's at as a football player, but I'm not worried about the distraction thing at all. I'm very confident in what the Eagles have here. They have taken that risk before with Michael Vick. I could see them doing it again with Kaepernick. It's been a couple years, too, 
But if the NFL owners do have this blackball thing where they are in agreement that no one's bringing Kaepernick, then I don't know if it would actually happen for sure. Of course, the whole collusion case and everything. But and I, and I know some people just they don't want Kaepernick back in the league. But if we're talking from a pure football perspective, he is clearly the best option if Nate Sudfeld is out. 10, 12 weeks, even if it's not for the rest of the season, I would feel a lot more comfortable with any of those guys as the Eagles back up. Heck, let's go see what Michael Vick can do. I'm still seeing him on Instagram post, and this is kind of kidding. At the same time, a little curious to see if he is still mobile, because I can see the arms still. He plays in the American Flag Football League, and he's posting on Instagram all the time, him chucking balls down the field, and I'm still saying... I still see that strong flick of the wrist in Michael Vick. I wonder what he's got still in the NFL. And is it an upgrade over what the Eagles have right now with Nate Sudfeld out? Kind of kidding with that, but also very curious as someone that grew up really enjoying watching Michael Vick. But those are some options. I mean, Kaepernick, McCown, Josh Johnson, Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez, Brock Osweiler's out there as well. Are those guys better than Cody Kessler? That's what they got to ask themselves. And for me, we'll give Kessler another week. We'll see what he does maybe even in week three in significant reps and playing time. He has played in the regular season for both Cleveland and Jacksonville. So he's not the worst option in the world. He's certainly better than some backups in the league. But if it continues to look the way he did against Tennessee today with no other options behind him, uh, the Eagles might need to look outside. I, I think it is the smart move to look outside the organization at the quarterback position. They need Carson Wentz to stay healthy this year, and uh, I think he's ready to do it. But it's it's devastating that's, that for Nate Sudfeld that he got hurt because uh, he looked like he was ready to take that next step this year as the backup quarterback replacing Nick Foles. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is the Eagles postgame show. They fall to the Tennessee Titans 27-10 in the preseason opener. Louis DiBiase joining you. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. All right, everybody, we are back. We are recapping the Eagles-Tennessee Titans preseason opener. The Eagles fall 27-10. to There was, uh, you know, despite that, and of course, the uh, it's, a, it's a negative feeling right now towards the game because Nate Sudfeld is injured and people are they're nervous for sure because Carson Wentz has not played 16 games since 2016 while I'm here to say that I'm very confident that he can do that this year and I think his play style has gotten safer over the past few years and I think if this back injury is really behind him that he is primed to do that this year at the same time I do understand the concern because we've been used to having this luxury in Philadelphia with the Eagles having Nick Foles as the the backup quarterback. So not having that now and losing the one promising piece you had behind Carson Wentz, I definitely get it. But at the same time, there were some ups today. We're going to get into some winners from week one of the preseason. And number one here on the offensive side of the football, Andre Dillard didn't have a bad rep all game at left tackle. He was, and look, he was strong in the run blocking game too. That was the thing he didn't do a lot at Washington State. I mean, for for crying out loud, their running back, Booby Williams, had over 200 receptions over his career at Washington State, and he was the the running back. He, Dillard, part of the the plus of getting him was all of the pass protection snaps he got. But today, even in the run game too, he was really good understanding where what gaps the running backs were coming through, getting defensive ends pushed to the outside. Pass protection-wise, by the way, so, so good. There was a, a screenplay. The deception and the, the IQ to know that the screen was going outside the left side. It was going behind him. So he takes a big step to the left, lets the defensive end come in free on his inside, then pushes him even further inside, 
giving the running back, Josh Adams, a ton of space. Dillard showed the IQ today. He showed the athleticism off the line of scrimmage. He showed the run-blocking prowess. Andre Dillard looks like the real deal. The Eagles might go from Jason Peters instantly to another legitimate starting left tackle, and it was very exciting to see Andre Dillard in action against Tennessee. Uh, Dallas Goddard, he is a stud for sure. Now, I, I, I get it. Look, I get it. I love 11 personnel. I think Nelson Aguilar is going to be a big piece of the puzzle this year. But 12 personnel needs to be a huge part of this offense because Dallas Goddard was toying with the Tennessee Titans today. He had three receptions, 50 yards. He looks like the truth. Again, him and Nate Sudfeld continue to click. They got really good chemistry. They had good chemistry in the preseason last year, too. Goddard is, uh, and look, this this isn't really a, a take. It's not. This goes without saying, but it's incredible to think that. And I'm just watching him toy linebackers. Linebackers don't stand a chance against covering the Eagles' tight ends this year. I just think in watching the game, I cannot believe they have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. I mean, you go back to Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, like Gino likes to talk about, and this has that kind of potential. especially in Goddard's second year, ready to take that next step. He's already a really good blocking tight end, and his receiving game is taking an even bigger step. And uh, I'm expecting big things from Dallas Goddard this year. Also in the passing game, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, two catches, 23 yards, nearly an amazing one-handed catch again. He laid out on one of the first plays of the game, and the ball, he tried, to, he tried to get both hands on it. He had it in his grasp. He gripped the football with his right hand laying out for it, and he kind of almost tried to toss it to his left hand and secure the ball with both. While he did that, he was falling to the ground, and, the, and his hands kind of pinned it to the ground. So he wasn't able to reel it in, but you saw the potential with Ortega Whiteside down the field. You see a lot of Alshon Jeffrey in him. You see the strong hands. A third down conversion. Sudfeld finds him on a crosser coming back to the first down marker. And with guys draped all over him, he, outside his chest, brings it down with his hands. I've mentioned Anquan Bolden's hands before and the strength, the raw strength of them, comparing that to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And I saw that again today. He was really impressive in his debut for the Eagles. Dillard. Ortega Whiteside, the rookies look good today. Miles Sanders didn't really get an opportunity, only had three carries for three yards. The second team offensive line really wasn't creating a whole lot in the run game, so hopefully we see more of Miles Sanders next week. But Dillard and Ortega Whiteside really made their case for being future parts of this Philadelphia Eagles core. And Ortega Whiteside, he only had two catches for 23 yards, but he easily, with just two more plays going just a little bit different, could have had, you know, 60, 70, 80 receiving yards on the night. On the defensive side of the ball, and I got a couple more offensive guys, but I got to get to Josh Sweat. He looks so much stronger than last year. There was a bull rush play on Taylor Lewin. Taylor Lewan, Taylor Lewin, I, I, don't, I still haven't gotten that down. But regardless, a pretty damn good left tackle, no matter what his name is. For the Tennessee Titans, and he's suspended, so he was playing a little bit later into the game, as again, Dennis Kelly's going to start at left tackle for the first four weeks of the season. Josh Sweat bull rushes Lewin into the running back and blows up the play. He, on a fourth and seven, got a QB hit that forced a turnover. His pass rushing moves just looked 
there was just more of them. There were more. There was more variety to it in his game. He had second moves right if his first move didn't work. He didn't just get tied up by the offensive lineman like he did last year. A lot of the time, I think he let the offensive linemen get their hands all over him. And once that happens, it's over. He looked a lot shiftier today, a lot more explosive off the line of scrimmage, which is good because he has that athleticism. He has that kind of ceiling. He tested off the charts at the NFL Combine a couple years ago. So he had three tackles today. He was really good in the run game as well. And it wasn't just when they were coming on his side. I mean, when he's been left unblocked or he's got to shed a tight end and he's got to get all the way to the other side of the line of scrimmage, he's got not only, again, the speed to get over there, but the, the arm strength and the, uh, the wingspan. You saw him laying out and grabbing these running backs and getting them down by their lower body. Josh Sweat, for those people that are concerned about defensive end four, he should have instilled some confidence in you today. And I got to give a special shout out to Deshaun Hall. And also, because of the shout out to Deshaun Hall, Andrew DeCecco, our boy over at the Eagles Wire, he came on the podcast this summer and talked about guys in the roster bubble that could maybe create a role for themselves with the team during the regular season. And he specifically mentioned Deshaun Hall. Deshaun Hall was a man on a mission today against the Titans. He finished with six tackles, three tackles for a loss, and a sack. He was the best defensive end out there tonight, and I really liked what Josh Sweat did. I think I didn't put Sharif Miller on the list of winners, but I thought Sharif Miller showed a lot of explosiveness off the line. He had a couple nice plays in the passing game and in the running game, getting after both. So Sharif Miller was good. Josh Sweat was good. But Deshaun Hall was that much better. And if he continues that, Deshaun Hall could be, you know, he could take the role of what Joe Osman was going to do and push these two fourth round picks in back to back years and try to say, I'm going to be that defensive end for Deshaun Hall. Keep an eye on him. He was all over the field today, and there was production in the first quarter. There was production in the second quarter and into the second half as well. Again, Deshaun Hall finishes six tackles, three tackles for a loss, and a sack. The Eagles' defensive ends in general today looked really good, so that's not good for the uh, pro Connor Barwin team and just not good for Connor Barwin in general who wants to rejoin the Eagles because the Eagles wanted to take some time and evaluate these young guys before they – Go sign Barwin, and Barwin said he's not going to wait forever, and I would continue to try to make him wait if I'm the Eagles because Sweat looked good, Hall looked good, and Sharif Miller showed some flashes as well, and he hasn't really shown much so far this summer, so it was good to see him, when the game action started, actually start making some plays. And then uh, one more winner here for the game, and it's the receiving end of Nate Sudfeld's 75-yard touchdown pass, Mark and Michelle. I like to think of this as the football gods making up for the Eagles missing out on Sony Michelle last year, going at pick 31. I was a huge Sony Michelle guy last year. I thought if the Patriots didn't pick him at 31, the Eagles would have maybe considered him at 32 and maybe wouldn't have traded out. Well, his brother, Mark and Michelle, had a really strong minicamp. He comes in this week with preseason starting up. And the first unofficial depth chart comes out, and he's the backup receiver to Nelson Aguilar in the slot. He was that sixth wide receiver on the depth chart, and normally the Eagles with Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, they keep six wide receivers. So some people say, okay, the PR department made that depth chart, whatever. Maybe the coaching staff didn't have their hands really full on it. But it did reflect Michelle's offseason, and he continued that into the preseason. He has speed and home run hitting ability that only Deshaun Jackson – 
and uh, you know Nelson Aguilar have, and you can say Shelton Gibson, but if they're going to choose someone not named Shelton Gibson as this wide receiver six, and they want to go with a speedster, Mark and Michelle might be the guy. That wasn't just a 75-yard touchdown on any corner, like any second-team, third-team corner. That was a first-round pick that he beat in Adoree Jackson, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago with the Titans. So I think this is the football gods making up for it and being like, hey, Lou, we know you lost out in Sony. Here's his brother Markin. He's not as good, but hey, this is a guy that can make your roster and maybe be a player for you. I mean, that was a he he created some separation on a Dory Jackson who has played receiver before at USC on offense and he's athletic and he's fast. So it was a beautiful ball by Sudfeld, but tip of the cap to Mark and Michelle throwing his name in the ring. We keep talking about Greg Ward Jr. and I keep mentioning the likes of Carlton Agadosi and Shelton Gibson, but Mark and Michelle right now seemingly early on is in the lead to be wide receiver six unless they just, you know, no matter what say, we're going to continue to develop Shelton Gibson. But if they don't go with Gibson, Michelle has that speed and he showed it today. 75-yard touchdown. He only had the one catch, but damn, it was an impactful one and it was early on in the game against a lot of the Titans' first team, including Adoree Jackson. All right, we'll take a quick break and uh, you know again a couple honorable mentions Sharif Miller for sure LJ Fort while he was kind of weak in coverage he was all over the place in the run game making tackles sideline to sideline he put some confidence in me that if Nigel Bradham is hurt for a little bit Kamugurja Hill is going to be out for the first couple months I would say of the regular season maybe he comes back in October or probably more like November with a torn MCL LJ Fort though before they added Zach Brown I thought he was going to be the third linebacker anyway, and today, uh, you know, there was a couple lapses in coverage, but overall, I thought LJ Fort had a strong day. So did Andrew Sandejo. You know, I keep saying I want him cut for that comp pick, but if, of course, it applies, if they can cut him and get the comp pick, but considering that they're likely not to move an Avante Maddox or any corner at safety, and they like to use three safeties with big nickel and even in dime packages, Andrew Sandejo is probably going to have a big role with this Eagles team, and he made a couple nice plays today in uh, in coverage. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back. Who were the losers of Eagles-Titans on Thursday night? That's coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles postgame show. The Eagles fall 27-10. to 10 against the Tennessee Titans. All right, everybody, we are back. Louis DiBiase wrapping up this week of shows with our post-game show. The Eagles fall to Tennessee 27-10. to Again, though, some really good things. It sucks that Nate Sudfeld got hurt because he looked really good. So did Andre Dillard. That first-round pick is looking smarter and smarter as the summer goes on. Dallas Goddard looks like a stud. Arthega Whiteside looks like the real deal whenever he eventually plays at wide receiver. Josh Sweat put some confidence in those defensive end four truthers. Mark and Michelle makes a big 75-yard play down the field for a touchdown. Deshaun Hall had a big day. There was there were some good takeaways for sure, but there was also some players that really just did not make the case as to why they should make this roster, or even if they do make the roster, have a role. And we got to start that off with Clayton Thorson. I, <laughs> he, look, and Matt McGloin was terrible last year, and that name probably really hurt your chest just hearing that because, God, Matt McGloin. But Clayton Thorson made me long for the days of Matt McGloin and G.J. Kinney and Trent Edwards and any other obscure Dennis Dixon, all these obscure preseason Eagles quarterbacks that I can think of because he was bad. He was not just bad. He was terrible. Two of nine, seven, seven yards, almost had seven interceptions because I feel like he could have threw seven interceptions on these nine attempts. He should have had at least three he was terrible, and it's frustrating, too. We're going to give him time, of course, still. He's a, he's a rookie in the fifth round, but 
I would have liked to have that fifth round pick now be a safety or another defensive lineman or another offensive lineman because, you know, speaking of offensive linemen, Matt Pryor struggled once again in preseason action. He's a good practice player, but when when the game action hits, he has not come through. He had three penalties again today and just wasn't moving well at guard and he uh yeah, he was holding a lot up front. So Matt Pryor continues to struggle. Josh Adams he fumbled, and what you hear behind me is the scribbling in of the depth chart, putting Wendell Smallwood in at running back five because Josh Adams is one big problem last year. While I think a lot of the time he was bouncing things to the edge too much and he got a little bit too confident in trying to hit the home run run, I guess you could say, down the stretch, and that really hurt his productivity, his efficiency that he had in the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season. But at the same time, it was also key fumbles against Jacksonville and against the Houston Texans down the stretch that made the Eagles not trust him and once again he fumbled the ball today and lost possession the Tennessee Titans got the ball back that is something you can't have Josh Adams has way more potential than Wendell Smallwood I would rather have Josh Adams the talent on my roster than Wendell Smallwood but when you don't have the trust of the coaching staff and Wendell Smallwood does specifically Deuce Staley that's going to cause you a roster spot and we'll see if Adams can make up for it in these next three weeks but I don't know if he's going to be able to at this point already. I think another fumble could have did him in for sure. Josh Adams, bad day. Clayton Thorson, not the best. And I think that's an understatement. Matt Pryor. And then, uh, you know, Jordan Maialata, I was torn because I felt like I knew what I was watching. And, and I thought he was struggling. He was he was missing assignments. There were guys blowing right by him. Sudfeld took a couple hits because of Maialata. But at the same time, I did see some good reps I saw on Twitter everyone saying, my lot of, he's been bad. Suddenly I'm watching the Eagles television coverage and I hear Dave, of course it's Dave Spadaro, so take it for, you know, with a grain of salt, PhiladelphiaEagles.com guy. But also Ross Tucker, they both said my lot of was having a good game at right tackle. And I'm thinking, are they watching the same game? I mean, there were some good reps in pass protection, but it was more so when the game got further along and the Titans were going deeper in their depth chart because my lot of basically played the entire game at right tackle. And I'm not giving up on the Maialata project yet. It's only week one of this preseason, and he's switching positions after switching sports last year. The guy never played football in his life. So I still want to give him some time at right tackle. He did show a couple flashes here and there today, but overall I didn't think he played very well at all at right tackle. I think Big V did. I think Dillard did. But Maialata and Pryor didn't really put a lot of confidence in me that, hey, these guys can be long-term depth pieces up front. We'll see if that changes. Of course, there's still a lot of time. I don't want to be the guy that overreacts after one preseason game, but wasn't a great start for those two offensive linemen for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. This has been the post-game show, and it's wrapping up the week. The Eagles are off today. They hit the practice field again on Saturday. It's Nick Foles week, guys. The Eagles take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of next week. So we'll have some special podcasts about Nick Foles. You guys know I love to reminisce. We'll take a trip down memory lane to all the Nick Foles journey with Philadelphia in 2013 and even in 2012 and 2017 and 2018. And we'll get into all of the Jacksonville week stuff at the end of this week, you know, heading into the weekend and then starting up once again next week. Gino will be back as well. He's enjoying his time in Denver. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the show. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave us a five-star rate and review, that'll help us grow the show as well. And on Twitter at Lockdown Birds and at DiBiase, L-O-E. All right, I'm out of here. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go Birds.